0: We have with us an animated, wonderful woman who I've been having just the greatest conversation with. Uh, I cannot wait to get into the nitty gritty of what she's done specifically in multifamily real estate. She is a firecracker and a doll. I'm going to tell you, she is the president of Kahuna Investments. She is Shelly Peterson. Shelly, welcome to Street Smart Success.
1: All right. Hey, Roger. Thank you. And then I am super excited to be here today. And I just can't wait to get started and dive into one of my favorite topics, multifamily investing. I love it so much. It's life changing.
0: Okie dokie. Well, before we get to that, uh, which is what we we both totally want to talk about, tell me the Shelley Peterson background. I think you went to college in Oklahoma, uh, which is... That's, That's right. Not everybody goes to college in Oklahoma. A lot do. But give me the Shelly, the Shelly Peterson background story.
1: I would, I would love to. So yeah, I was born and bred in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My husband always says everybody thinks Corey is country or Shelly is country, but I will tell you, I actually am a city girl. So I grew up, I grew up very poor, Roger. So my mom was an immigrant, migrated from the Philippines, and um she never taught us her language. She always wanted us to know um English. And she said, You're an American now, you're born here, and so we grew up very um, humble humble beginnings. And you know, the goal with Mama Lucy, she said, you know, and this is with any Asian uh, household that's out there, they always want their kids to grow up, go to college, and be a doctor or a dentist or a lawyer, someone that's a high professional job. Well, that wasn't my story. I ended up being a registered dietitian, graduated from the University of Oklahoma. I'm a big Sooner fan, and um, and I lived out with my mom the expectations of Mama Lucy. You know, I got a master's degree in science. I uh, was a horrible dietitian, but I was great in the pharmaceutical industry, and so and that's what I did. I managed um, representatives across the West Coast. So I had San Francisco, kind of like your backyard, I had that territory, and you know, from there, I learned how to really get good at talking to to doctors, specifically in the women's health industry. So that's my background. Now, I will tell you. Um, Real estate was not my first love, okay? I came into the multifamily space kicking and screaming. So for those that don't know our story, our the name of our company is Kahuna Investment. I run it with my wonderful husband, Corey Peterson. We've been married for 21 years, been together for 23 years. And 23 years ago, we went to our favorite island in Hawaii. It's called Kauai. It's the Garden Island. Have you ever been there, Roger? It's 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 fantastic.
0: I have been there.
1: And so you know that it is like Jurassic Park when you enter there. So- you know, Corey and I—we've never actually traveled much growing up because he was poor too. He comes from Missouri, and so you know, you had two people that got this amazing opportunity to go to Hawaii. His mom paid for the trip, and at the time, she was married to a guy named Bruce. We call him Bruce Wayne. He wasn't Batman, but he was loaded, and this guy had an awesome house on the beach. I mean, we're talking a—you a, know—majestic mountains behind. His house, we have, you know, beachfront, waterfront property. I'm like, gosh, Corey, what does your dad do? This guy has time and money. He's got, like, this is the first time we've ever seen true wealth. Because typically, what we find, if you have a lot of money, guess what? People don't have a lot of time when they have a lot of money. Or if those that have a lot of money, they typically don't have what? They don't have a lot of time on their hands, right? Did I say that backwards? If you have time, you don't have money. If you have money, you don't have time. It's rare that you see both. And Bruce had it all. So we left the island thinking, man, that guy's the big Kahuna. So in 2005, Corey said, "What do we want to call the company?" Well, I want to be, I want to be the big Kahuna one day. So there goes Kahuna Investments. Now, from there, we um, we started out as wholesaler fix and flippers. I was the main income source at the time. Corey was trying to figure out real estate. He had to go back and get a job as a financial advisor. And then in 2009, guess what happened? The the market crashed, and then he said, Shelly. Everybody's four one ks are two-on-1ks. And he said, my heart left the building. <laughs> and it was sad because he had to move people's money. And then guess what, Roger? He had to charge them for it. It was awful. And so he came home saying, well, actually... He got fired from um, Edward Jones as a financial advisor because the heart left the building. And he said, "Shelly, I want to do this full time." And I said, "All right, we've been kind of playing real estate. I need you to focus and let's let's giddy up. I know you can do this. We can do this together. I'll hold down the fort with my with my pharmaceutical job." And you go figure out real estate. And that's what he did. And so in 2010, we bought our first multifamily property. It was 144 units in Greenville, South Carolina. We bought that property for $3.2 million. We raised $1.4 million million of other people's money. We call that OPM. We held that sucker for five years, Roger. We operated it. Um, that's a fun story. If you ever listen to Corey, he has a great story behind his, our first deal. And then in five years later, we sold that property for $8.6 million. Holy cow. And we had 75% ownership in that deal. And guess what? At that time, um, for so the pharmaceutical industry is always there's one thing that you have to be really good in pharma. And for those that are in that industry, they have to be really good at interviewing because they're always downsizing, or they call it Salesforce optimization. That's a polite word of saying you're gonna get laid off, right? And so at that time he said, Shelly, I would love for you to, you know, not go back into the industry. Let's build like I need, I need help. Can you come in? The operation and do what you do. He's like, you would be the best person at it. And at first, Roger, I said, I'm not doing, I am not, I don't understand what an LOI to a PSA to a CapEx, I have no idea with your multifamily terms. And so finally he said, but you know events and you know people. And I said, All right, well, we'll start there. So in 2016, we we went to Hawaii and we said, What does our vision want to look like? Well, we want to own more property, but we also want to teach others on how to find fun and operate apartments. And so we, we opened up our own teaching platform, which is great. And so we did it in mind for folks to, like if you're new in the industry, how do you go from point A to point Z, right? And so, and that's what we did. We created the platform. So I started running our events. And guess what, Roger, because I ran the events, I actually got smart in the multifamily space. I'm like, oh, I understand on how to raise capital. And we raise capital a little bit different, just so that, you know, we call it the Kahuna 6 and 6 method. And I can, we can certainly talk more about that. Because the industry teaches you a different way of raising capital, they give up a lot of uh, a lot of the equity, and so everybody they come to us and they say, "Well, how do you guys raise capital?" And we raise it to such a way where everybody wins. It's a it's a beautiful thing. So from there, my role has has shifted. I um I I handle all of our events. I handle all of our our masterminds. I handle the investor relations piece, which I love. So that is my main primarily role. Um, today, Roger is I have people that come into my funnel and they. I said, "Hey, Mama Kahuna, you know, talk to me about Kahuna Investments process." And that's what I love doing. I love, I love teaching new passive investors on what to expect internally and what they should it expect. It surprises me all the time when I have folks that come on um, my calendar and I'm walking through Kahuna's process. And the one thing that I always tell them, I said, "We're very transparent here at Kahuna. I walk them through our core values and our mission statement." And then I said, "Here's what to expect when you invest with us." And then I show them what's called a financial dashboard. It's a monthly reporting and it's about 200 pages long on the property that they're invested with us or their partners with us in. And I say, now you've been in other deals with other operators. I go, do other operators show you the bank statements and the full accounting? And you will be surprised, Roger, how many operators do not even show the full accounting. I mean, if you were to if I were to pop up my screen, I could show you right now, you would see the bank statements. You would see all every check that's written as a partner with us in these deals, you should be getting that information. And then on top of that, you know, where do you find information? You go through the investor portal. So everything is very streamlined. I will say the one thing that we do really well at the company is that how we onboard our investors and then how do we walk them through that process. And there's so many operators out there right now that are just doing such a huge disservice. And it makes me sad because as an industry, we got to get better. And that, and the reason why I say that, Roger, is because there's a lot of people, a lot of folks that are working their nine to five that have all their money in the stock market. Now, I'm not knocking the stock market. I just, I'm a huge component of diversifying your portfolio. And if you're at, and if you're close to retirement age, we don't want another 2008, 2009, where half your portfolio, like I said earlier, becomes a 401k, now a 201k. So real estate is such a wonderful, wonderful option to diversify your portfolio. And not only that, but just to get the nice tax benefits that are with uh, multifamily investing. All right, I've I've said a lot, Roger, and you're looking at me, you're like, oh gosh, (laughs) Shelly. I got questions for you.
0: <laughs> I do have questions. It's all good, and I'm gonna ask you a question that nobody else asks because that's I. I ask. I'm just curious about things above and beyond real estate. How does your mom wind up from the Philippines to Tulsa?
1: Oh, you know that was her. That was her hustle, Roger. That was Mama Lucy's hustle. She married my dad, who was a GI, and uh, you know my dad. Now this is kind of a crazy story. So they met in the Philippines. He married her and um, he got hooked on drugs and became very abusive. And almost the only memory that I have, my dad, this is gonna be a little bit heavy for your audience, is that my mom was holding me and I turned my head and I get smacked really hard. And I was a year old and that was the day my mother left my father. Now, it was through the grace of God that my mom was discovered by my grandparents who are not blood related. My grandpa at the time is a Baptist preacher. And, um he saw my mom walking downtown streets of Tulsa, Oklahoma, with a shower curtain as a maternity shirt because at the time she was pregnant with my sister. okay? So here you have a a a young woman. Imagine this, a young woman walking downtown streets of Tulsa, barely knowing the, the language, no friends, no family. The only person that she loves and trusts in the world is my dad, who was abusive and almost killed her. And so, you know, my grand my grandfather saw my mom and, uh, he did, My my grandpa's a big burly guy, you know, just a good godly man. And he told his wife, my grandma, and he said that poor gal needs help. So my grandmother approached my mom and said, you know, I would, you know, would you like a job? Because she knew she was jobless. And so my, they employed my mom. And at the time, my grandparents had a three story house in downtown Tulsa, and they used that as an, as a nursing home. So they took took care of the elderly. And it, another fun fact, Roger, is my my grandpa built a boat in the backyard. And so if you go back into the 70s, you'll see a newspaper clipping of my grandpa, the man that built a boat in his backyard. That was my grandpa, Charles Bogler. And I think to this day, they still use those that boat as a, uh, for missionary trips which is wonderful, right?
0: Are these, uh, so are these your dad's parents? No,
1: these are complete strangers off the street that saw my mother walking. Okay,
0: that you're calling your grandparents.
1: But I call them my grandparents. Okay. Those wow. are the only grandparents. Now, my my dad's brother, my Uncle Bill, was the only one. So between my foster grandparents and my Uncle Bill, who was my dad's brother, they hid my mom from my abusive father. Damn. Okay, so- Growing up, we just thought my dad was just this mean man. And so we we had nothing to do with him. He was in and out of the VA hospitals and whatnot. And until one year, um, when my daughter was born, I told my husband, I said, you know, we probably should get our own life insurance policy. He said, that's probably a good idea. So I had to call the VA to get basic medical history of my father. And so I called and got some information. And the VA says, well, your dad has hyperlipidemia, COPD, and drug-induced schizophrenia. And I said, excuse me, what is that? Now, as a child of the 80s, and you might recall this, but what was the big message in the 80s? Say no to drugs. That was that was Nancy Reagan's big thing, right? The big slogan. But it was more so in my household because there was a medical reason behind that. So my mom was adamant that my sister and I would never, ever do drugs because of the medical history with my father. So I called Mama Lucy and I said, Mom, I said, you never told us that our dad was drug and do schizophrenic cuz you know now i'm looking at him in a different light he's not only just you know this was a medical condition he was really mentally um disturbed right so and so with her filipino accent she said Oh yeah, honey. I told you your dad is crazy. (laughs) I was like, you would say that, but I didn't really truly understand as an adult. I said, so yes, he he was he was mentally ill, and you know I always look back at that and think, gosh, what would have happened? What would my life look like if my dad? was not um, schizophrenic. So, you know, we see a lot of, this is a whole side conversation, but you see a lot of mental um, illnesses in our country today. It's almost, and I asked my daughter, I said, Faith, why is it there's so many people that are anxious and depressed and this and that? She goes, oh, mom, it's kind of our generation. It's kind of cool to have those types of mental illnesses. And I said, well, that makes me sad because for those that are really suffering that are out there, it minimizes those folks, right? So, but that's a different conversation. Let's back to multifamily, Roger, back <laughs> right. to multifamily. I was just,
0: just <laughs> curious. All right. Well, when, you were, when, you, when you were wholesaling or uh, when Corey was wholesaling, was that where you are now? Was that in Phoenix?
1: We actually had a wholesale business in three markets. We were wholesaling in San Antonio, Texas, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and in our backyard in Phoenix, Arizona. And wholesaling is, uh, is a different animal, right? Your cost per lead just keeps going up. I mean, it's, and then your 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 cost per deal keeps going up. So meaning, you know, when I say cost per deal, you're paying a lot of ad spend. You're paying a lot of marketing dollars just to get that one lead and to convert that lead into a deal, right? And so that's a whole separate business model. And the problem with wholesaling or fix and flipping: number one, you have a tax problem because Uncle Sam's going to want half of that, right? Once you make your money. Number two, you are always going to chase the next deal. We call that the hustle and grind. And so when we dove into the multifamily space, Corey said, oh man, honey, I am just, I am tired running these fix and plus. I'm tired of chasing the next deal. And we would just drive by these apartment complexes. And all we could see is cash flow. Isn't that a beautiful word? Cash flow. And so we're like, how, you know, I wish we can own something like this. You know, I wish. And it was always a, a wish, Roger. I wish I can own. I wish I can on a, an apartment complex until finally we said, How can I? And that's where the BD, you know, you when you just change your brain or change your mindset to shift that one word. How can I? How can I, how, how can I do this? Your brain goes into a completely different mode. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Yeah, I would agree. And, that,
1: and, and I will tell you, um, we shut down the wholesale business after we got our first big win. And um, and we just started just diving into the multifamily space. And from there we have about Um, 3,000 doors that we are the sole proprietor's key principals in, Um, 250 million under assets. We actually um, did a wonderful thing this year. We are vertically integrated, meaning um, we we manage our own stuff now. We manage our own portfolio. So our buy box, we typically like to buy um, properties that are newer. So 100 units or more, student housing or traditional multifamily. We like to buy in areas in the In the Midwest and the Southeast, we'd love to buy more in our backyard. We have properties that are in Yuma and or in Tucson, Arizona, but we would love to buy more in the Phoenix market. Um, Areas that are landlord friendly, unless it's student housing, that's a different type of animal. I always say it's a different types of operations. But yeah, we have a lot of exciting things happening at Cahoon Investments. Where we're growing, we're still that mom and pop feel. We always say that we're the. We're the owners that are very highly involved. We just don't just pass the buck. So at the end of the day, when it comes to our investors and our partners, you know, the buck stops with us,
0: right? When, so when, when you say three thousand, that you're the, I think you said key principal in, uh, is that then a kind of um, a number of perhaps partners that maybe you've met through your teaching? And then you Correct. just and you you you're the KP on those deals. They're 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 basically the ops arm of it. Is that how that works?
1: It depends on the deal. I will tell you that we like to run our own deal. So we'll always have folks that will come and bring us a deal. So a lot of our students will bring us deals, which is a wonderful thing, and we'll give up some equity for finding a deal. And if you have other skill sets such as raising capital, that's the big thing, you know, for for multifamily investors are always looking to JV or partner up on a deal, right? So if you're on this, on this call, you're you're either saying, okay, do I want to passively invest? There's pros and cons to just being a, a silent passive investors. And there's pros and cons of being a, a general partner or part of the GP, right? And so for us, we've always um we always believe there can only be one chief driving the bus. When you have too many chiefs, things don't get done. You always have to have the main orchestrator, and that's typically Kahuna Investment. So we will always own the majority, at least 60% or more of our deals. And then we will hand select any. Um, co um, sponsors or GPs into our deal. And typically, these GPs that are in our deal are maybe one to two, and they would have a track record of operations. And they're okay with Corey, you know, Kahuna leading the bus or leading the way. All right. But our main focus is really just helping passive investors to partner up with us, being the silent partner, and then also getting the benefits. So we pay out two ways, Roger, um, at Kahuna. We always do. Um, you know, a, a prep on the front end that gets paid out every quarter. And at the end of the investment, which is typically a five-year hold, we give a bonus, which is another prep on the back end that gets paid out year over year over year. And we give up 50% of the tax benefit. So we do cost segregations on all of our, all of our properties. And so we give half of that up to our, our capital. Which is our passive investors, and so you know we believe that um, you're you true partners with us. But you don't have to do any of the heavy lifting. You can just sit back and enjoy the ride. I always think it's a great place to be if you're a passive investor because then you can vet other operators and see, and then you can have access to more deals. Right. So if you're on this. If you're listening to Roger, Roger Becker's podcast, then this is a great place because he interviews a lot of people that are high season operators and you can go and, and meet these people and see if they're a good fit. Now, when I vet passive investors, Rogers, I, I mean, I I do my due diligence. I just don't let anybody into the Kahuna ecosystem because I don't know who you are. And we do what's called a 506B offering. So for those that know what that is, we are regulated by the SEC and you can either um, have a PPM under a 506C offering or a 506B offering. And I'm gonna tell you, there's not a lot of operators that I have seen that are doing 506Bs anymore. You're starting to see, you know, the season high higher-end operators going to the fund structure, you know, a 506C with a fund. Now, some of them are getting savvy to where they'll they'll close that out and then they'll open it up to, you know, sophisticated investors, which is a beautiful thing because you know, at the end of the day, my goal is to empower just the regular American, those that are just stocking their money away and they're looking for an opportunity to diversify and to grow their wealth. And the best way in my opinion to do that is through real estate. There's just so many advantages when you can invest your money into real estate.
0: Would you say just for the sake of clarification, trying to get my head around like how you describe what you guys are doing. Do you guys effectively do everything in these deals with the and I understand each deal probably has its different nuances. I get that. But is essentially, it is the other person slash persons in the deal, the people that are basically just sourcing the deals. And then you guys are essentially running the deals. Is that correct? Okay. Yes, oh.
1: that's a fair statement. Okay, yes. so that's pretty cool. And All right. So yeah, so we'll either have students that will find us a deal and then we give up some equity for just finding a deal. So if you're out there listening and you're like, how do I become a GP? Typically, it's the fastest way into a deal to get equity in a deal. is just go find a deal. And the way that you find a deal is pick a market that you like, and then go find the brokers. And now, a lot of times, we tell when we're educating, we're saying, "Well, just go to LoopNet. LoopNet is the trash can of all deals." And you're not going on LoopNet to find a deal, but what are you doing? You're finding a broker, right? So you're like, "Oh," and then you talk, you, and then you start the conversation up with that particular broker, and then you want to have a great relationship. And what that looks like is, hey. Mr. Broker, what do you like to do for fun? I would love to meet you. I'll give you an example. We have uh, some students that came that were part of our mastermind program and they wanted to do deals in Tucson, Arizona. And so I made an introduction with um, with a broker. So we have a Brocadia rep that we work with. It's been so gracious. And we said, hey, pick two markets that you like and we'll make an introduction with those the top brokers in that market. And so and that's what our students did. So we gave the introduction and they went out to Tucson and they met the broker and had lunch with them. And during that lunch, Roger, I'm not even kidding you. He said, I think I might have an off-market deal. And I said, um, and so our partners are like, that's fantastic. Well, I'm meeting with our group, our mastermind. So they came back into our group. They said, Corey, Shelly, I think, I think this might be a deal. And so in the middle of our mastermind, we put up the deal on the screen and Corey says, Well, son of a gun, Scott. I dude, you have a deal. This this looks like a deal. And guess what? <laughs> they transacted on that deal. We we helped partner with them on that deal and we own it today. It's uh, it's um the name was San Semia. It's in Tucson, but now we we rebranded. It's called Water's Edge, and that property is doing beautifully. I think that's a hundred. 112 doors in Tucson. Very, very good deal. So yeah, I don't even know where we're going or what the question was. I already forgot, but that's just a prime example of, oh, talking about broker relations. It's a prime example of how you can build um, broker relations by going into LoopNet, discovering who they are, and just meeting them and developing a relationship. Because here's here's the the crazy thing about this industry Roger is that it is it is built on the good old boy system. Believe it or not, it's not like, you know, in the single family fix and flip where you can go, "Oh, I can look at this house price per door." In the multifamily space, it really is who you know and getting in front of those and getting in front of those key players and building relationships. Because by the time a broker puts a puts a property out on LoopNet, it's there's a reason for that. Most of their prime choice off-market deals are already going to people like Kahuna or some of these other big operators that have developed these relationships. Because you know why, Roger? Do you want to know why? Because they know that they can transact. They know that they're going to be able to close. And guess what? At the end of the day, I love I love you brokers, but at the end of the day, they want to get paid, right? It's that simple. Crazy game, huh?
0: Crazy game. Makes sense, though. What are you looking at in terms of vintage these days? So you said hundred units and above. What vintage exactly?
1: So, so vintage. Our vintage and our buy box. We we like buying property that's built in the two thousand. So the way that we so we look for we our our business model is we like to buy on cash flow. We look for fixable problems such as deferred maintenance, bad man, bad management, bad tenants. Those are things that we can easily fix internally. Now you'll see other operators who whose business plans are a little bit different. Maybe they like value add. Maybe they like the heavy lifting. You know, maybe they're uh, more of a wholesaler fix and flip, and they're going in to fix the property, and then they sell it to you know a small family office or someone that um, that can go in and fill it up. Maybe that's not their that's not their business plan, right? So, if you're out there vetting other operators, you got to see what their buy box we call it a buy box. What are they looking for? Where are they investing in? You know, what is the what is their typical business plan, or how do they execute? right? And do they have the means to execute on that business plan? Meaning, do they have the people in place? You know, What does that look like, right? And so for us, we, we believe in cash flow because cash flow at the end of the day will always set you free and you find other areas where you can increase the NOI the net operating income at the end of the day. And so what we like to portray is a rising income story. So that's why we hold our properties for 5 years. So the first 2 to 3 years we always say we're fixing the you know the bad management, we're fixing the bad tenants, we're fixing you know, anything that deferred maintenance. And then years four and five, you're seeing a rising income story. And you know who likes buying a rising income story at the property level is Wall Street. Wall Street loves that story. Broken 1031 exchange, a small family office. And so typically they're willing to do what? Overpay. And that's what was the case for our Yuba property, which was 152 units that we bought about 4 years ago now this plan was to hold it for 5 years but we were able to execute the business plan within 3 years and we got a stupid ridiculous offer and we said sure we'll sell it we bought that property for 9 million and um we held it for 3 years and we sold it for you want to guess how much we sold it for 135 19.2 my friend
0: <laughs> where, where was this one
1: This was in Yuma, Arizona. I thought
0: you said that. (laughs) How many units? Yuma.
1: What the heck is in Yuma, Arizona? (laughs) It's agriculture. They have a Crackle Barrel, which is wonderful, but it's an agricultural town because it's really close to the Mexican border, right? And so they grow a lot of lettuce out um, in Yuma. There's a lot of farmland. So it's an agricultural town. And when we bought that property, it was really interesting because the... That property was suffering because the rents were on a six or seven month um, time period because they were renting it out to executives, so they were having a hard time with the consistency of a twelve month lease. And so when we took it over, like okay, well we're going to exit that that model, and so and we just got regular renters in there that that were good renters and that had long term rents, right? And it was a simple fix. And we put a little bit uh, in the deferred maintenance. There didn't need much, needed to be done at the property level. But that was one of the big things that we had to fix. It was just making sure that rents were consistent. And that's what we did. How many I units? I think it paid off. How many units was that? That one was 152 units. Got it.
0: And what year was it built?
1: Gosh, I don't even know. It's so funny. We have um, pictures of our portfolio all over. We had our big open house yesterday and had an investor go, which property is this? I go, I, I don't even know which one that is. <laughs> That's a good thing. Like, I don't even know. I, I stay out of operations, but um, I I want to say that one was built. I don't quote me. I think that one was built maybe in the 80s okay, or 90s. Got it. So the oldest property that we own is in Slidell, Louisiana. That one was built in 68. And that one that one got hit by Hurricane Ida. So that one that one was a doozy. That one we're still struggling with. So I'll, I'll tell you the good, bad, and the ugly, Roger. You tell me which one you want to know. Gonna- I'll tell you worst case, good case, But that one there got hit by the hurricane and we've been battling the insurance company for two years now. Two years, they don't want to pay out. So that's the other thing we have to think about. All of the insurance across our portfolio has gone up significantly. We have a property in North Carolina I think we we're paying a hundred grand for insurance. And I think that went up to three hundred and ten thousand. So that so buyer beware that like and, and no one, you know, how do you forecast that in your underwriting? You know, that's in in our history we've never seen that. You know, maybe a ten percent increase, but never a 200% increase. Good grief, right? It's
0: been higher. So, it's been higher in Florida.
1: Oh, yeah. The poor Floridians. Yeah, they're getting hit hard. Yes. So
0: do you, um, what have you guys typically, Shelly, done around debt? What kind of product?
1: Um, I mean, ideally, we like what, Freddie, Freddie and Fanny, if you can get it, right? But what, what I'm starting to see in the industry, quite frankly, are people looking for deals with assumable loans. And so we just got a deal that just came across uh, in, in Kansas that we're looking at, and it has an assumable loan for you know for the next four years now so if you can find that type of debt like cheap you're not going to find cheap debt right now like everything if you're in a bridge bridge loan or some of these high you know we're, we're seeing a lot of in, investors or operators are like man this is this is killing me what what used to cash flow now I'm paying to the bank because my interest rate is 10 10 percent or more right that's expensive money I'd rather go and pay my investors you know <laughs> you know <laughs> that money and then we can all benefit but it's almost cheaper to just find just folks that are willing to invest with you. You know, we do what's called a we do a 6% pref. That's that's great. For in my mind I'm like that's really good. That's on the front end. And then on the back end we'll do anywhere from 6 to 14%, which is fantastic. And you know, with that, we can we can beat the stock market all day long and and have a nice consistent predictable outcome, right? But as far as debt, that's tricky. I would have someone like um a, a loan officer to talk more about that. I am not that is not my skill set, my friend. I'll be quite frank with you. But I just know that 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 is a true issue, and you need a good um, team member on your side. We use a guy um, from Burcadia that sources all of our all of our debt and we tried we you know if you can find them through the credit unions, right? Credit, we've ha- had good success with with those guys. But yeah, have a good person to to source your loans and see if they can find you the best debt. Hope that answers your
0: question. It, it does, and I appreciate it. Um, You said you are now vertically integrated, and in, in when did you become vertically integrated? In twenty twenty three. Okay, and so you guys were then just doing third party, correct? Prior, and so what was yes. how would you characterize that experience dealing with third party for a fairly long, you know, for eight or nine years? It sounds like because you started really ramping up in two thousand sixteen. We
1: have gone through several management companies over the years, Roger, and I will tell you. In my experience, and if you're listening, you're a management company, God love you. They all suck. <laughs> they all truly suck because you know why? They are going to fee you to death. And typically, the alignment between the owners and the staff and the management company are misaligned. So, I'll give you a perfect example. Um, we've gone through several over the years, we've had some good ones. We had some. Um, not so good ones, but for student housing, because it's a different operations, we decided we were going to hire the biggest and baddest in the industry. And I won't say names, but they're known for their student housing operations. And the portfolio was starting to suffer. And we're like, what is going on? So finally, we had to wrap our brains around this. And we're like, this isn't working because the staff, they're like, well, we're employed by this third party management company, but the owners is telling us another, Right. And so there's misalignment number one. Misalignment number two is that typically with these big management companies, they're in cahoots, and I shouldn't say this, but maybe they're in cahoots to certain vendors. So please explain to me how our 632-bed property in Pennsylvania last year, we spent, Kahuna spent $310,000 in turn cost. You know what turn cost is? So that's an operational term. When the students move out of their apartment and they come back for the fall season, we have to do what's called turns, get their units ready. So that's, you know, plug in, you know, putting in the holes in the walls, paints. So this company that we use, they had third party vendors and they were, we're paying a premium for people to paint the, paint the units or to fix the units. Um, the turn cost was astronomical. When we vertically integrated, we're like, no more inefficiencies, no more more high spending. Why can't we not do this stuff in-house? We have awesome maintenance guys that are willing to do it and they could probably do it better. And that's what we did. We empowered our people at the property level And we, our turn cost for that one particular property, that six hundred thirty-two bed I was talking to you about, we did it at a hundred thousand versus three hundred ten thousand. Nice, big, big difference, right? So we believe at Kahuna Management. So our our uh, slogan is Aloha Spirit. uh, Expert management with Aloha Spirit is Kahuna Management, and we just manage our own stuff, Roger. So we we do not. Third party out with any other owners because we always believe it can be just you know we're firm believers of one person in control and one person running the ship and so and that's what we truly believe in and so you know at the end of the day our investors are counting us or counting on us so if our management company is not doing a good job we have to find a solution to where we are going to get performance and so who can do it better it's, it was either spending a million dollars in management fees or hiring the right people and that's what we did we hired the right people in house. Um, our, our, our controller Devon she was on Corey's podcast uh, recently she has 30 plus years of experience in property management accounting and so we now we have an accounting department that handles all of our um all of our monies and so the next step is is to have, You know, instead of having the property managers putting in invoice, it's going to come to corporate and we're going to have true accounting where they know how to code these invoices, right? So a lot of times, you know, your property managers, you don't want them with their head down and doing busy admin work. You want them out in the property making sure that they're talking to our vendors, making sure they're doing goodwill in the community, especially with student housing, you want to make sure that you're visiting the colleges and talking to the um the president of the attendance, right? What marketing efforts does the college have to increase attendance? How can we partner up and, and and have goodwill, right? They need to be walking the grounds, making sure that you know we're practicing clean safe disciplined properties at every at every one of our properties and that's what we believe in. So yeah,
0: with that one property you were discussing? I think you said in Pennsylvania. A, is that correct? And B, what college?
1: It's SRU, Slippery Rock. <laughs> <laughs> and I will tell you, oh man, I have a picture of it. It is a beautiful property. Oh my gosh. I love it. It looks like a little Harvard Ivy League. Just, you know, if you ever go out to the East Coast, it's just so pretty. Very different from Arizona. You know, we got different shades of brown. In Arizona, that had shades of green and lots of trees and it's just spectacular. So for those that live out in Pennsylvania, you guys are very lucky. It's just beautiful out there. So yeah.
0: Okay, well, I'm rooting for slippery rock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I am rooting for slippery rock too.
0: <laughs> so so do you so you do you see yourself expand continuing to expand in student housing?
1: We are going to balance out the portfolio. Right now we're student housing heavy. So we're gonna go back to traditional. So we like it to be more 50-50, but right now we're at 70% student housing. And the reason why it ended up that way is because once a broker finds out, oh, well, these guys are student housing and they transact and they buy and they close. And guess what? The floodgates opens up. Hey, Corey, I got a deal. Hey, Kuna, we have a deal. You know, do you want do you want to buy this one? Which is a great, it's a beautiful thing. But we we have to say stop. We wanna we want to diversify our own assets in the portfolio into different asset classes, right? So I would like to buy, the goal for 2024 is to look for property in our own backyard. So we're gonna be focusing our efforts more in Arizona and in the Midwest. So that's what's gonna be coming up soon. And we are going to be launching our first um, Kahuna fund, which is gonna be wonderful. So instead of being, tied as an investor, tied to one property, if you get into a Kahuna Fund, you'll be tied to multiple properties. So that, so now you're diversified um, within your portfolio, which is a beautiful thing. So we're super excited to roll that out, but that's not not quite here yet, Roger. Not quite here yet. It's, but com- soon it's we'll coming,
0: be. but not here. We, we, what, what percent, um, Shelley, of your po- portfolio would you say you're partnered with somebody that brought you the deal or some variation of that? as opposed to just what Kahuna is doing, just you and Corey where there's no partners?
1: Well, that's a very good question. Majority of our deals, we do have partners. So I will say that because they've come from students and that's a great thing. So we're like, well, why have a podcast? Why I have a teaching platform? It's for that reason, right? So I'll be frank with you, is to find more deals and to find more passive investors to help us fund these deals. And that's why you have a platform um and that's why you teach and coach and educate. And so, yeah, majority of the deals that have come across our board have come from our students and, and it's a beautiful thing Roger because you know this last deal that we did, that 632 bed, it was a 40 million dollar purchase. It came from a student and they this was their first big deal, their very first and they thought that, that we couldn't take it down. They're like, "Oh my gosh, there were moments where like are we are we going to be able to close? This is a big hairy monster of a deal. It was a 17 million dollar raise, right? And so I said, we can do it. And we closed on it. And I will never forget our partners. They were smart investing. These guys are wonderful. They have an IT background. Um, Matt and Tina, if you're listening, love you guys. But um, they, they found this deal and we all transacted and we're all winning because of it. And when we sell or exit that deal, we're looking to, you know, conservatively, you know, as a $40 million purchase, when we bought it, it appraised for 43. But if we hold it for five to six years, it's going to be worth 68. Now the goal is to sell it for eighty. That's that would be the goal. But conservatively, we're saying if we don't even hit sixty-eight on on our exit, we're not doing our we're not doing a good job. But the projections-wise, that will be the goal. So very so it's just more numbers. So for those that are listening that are starting out, you know that sounds like a kind of a scary because we didn't start out like that. And if you remember my first deal that we ever did. It was, you know, the the purchase price on that was three point two million. So you start out with three point two, and as you become seasoned um, in in this game, your your deal size and your appetite for the for the deal size continues to grow. Um, it's the same fundamentals. It's the same process. It's a lot of work just getting a deal under contract. Let me tell you, it is it's a lot of work. But, you know, whether you're doing a $3.2 million deal versus a $40 million deal, the nuts and bolts are, are still the same, right? It's just more zeros at the end of the day. <laughs> That's it.
0: It's exa- exactly. <laughs> it's, it's it's the ultimate scalable uh, yes. asset. Um, he, you know, most of the operators that I've spoken to, that I, that I also listen to on other podcasts, um just because of what's happened with interest rates and to your point with insurance and taxes and you know, expenses yes. having gone north of what anybody predicted, you know, a year or two ago, most people are, have stopped distributions on at least some of their properties., yep. are you experiencing the same thing?
1: Heck, yeah, it's called the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> so we um, so like I said, we have student housing in our portfolio. and when no one predicted a freaking pandemic, And so what happens when your property goes 100% occupied to 45% occupied? How do you weather through that? I will tell you, that's another story. You can talk to Corey Peterson on that one. But um, that that one was tough, right? How do you weather through the storm? And to this day, knock on wood, we have not lost any investors' money. We have not lost any properties. And so it's called you will it, you know? So- you know, uh, I'll give you a prime example. We have a property that's 144 units in um, Evansville, Indiana. So it's a D2 school. It's called Eagles Village. Beautiful property, 100% occupied for three years in a row, Roger, with a waiting list to get in. I thought, this is my cash cow. This property is amazing. I mean, everybody was getting paid and then covid hit and then the colleges shut down and then the students didn't go back to school and for that particular college they didn't go back for 2 years and so what do you do guess what came out of kahuna kahuna banking <laughs> that's what that's what that's what so like you do what you got to do to make sure you, you don't ever want to be caught to where i don't know who was it there's a guy out in Houston that paid their investors a distribution and a month later the bank took back the property. I'd rather say, guys, our first and foremost, as a partner in this deal with us, our first and foremost is to make sure that this property is healthy and then operationally is running smooth. We we treat each property as its own separate business. What is that game plan for that particular property? How are we going to win? How are we going to get back to um, occupancy? Now, that property is net, the one that I, my problem child that used to be my golden child is now finally just ramping back up. Now, this time next year, that will be back to 100% full. We're not quite there this year. That's okay. But we are are moving in that direction, which is a beautiful thing. And so, you know, it takes good people at the property level. And so we always believe that we hire A players within the Kahuna organization. We have a whole system within within our culture, how we find the right people. We do what's called a predictive index. We want to make sure if you never heard of predictive index, and if you're a business owner, it's a game changer. Make sure that you you are uh, putting your job descriptions for them to fill out that survey to see if they even fit that job description. Cause oftentimes you don't want what you don't want to happen is you're hiring for an accounting person, but then the person's PI is a salesperson. They're like, mm, maybe not a not a right fit, right? <laughs> so you want to make sure that you have the right people in the right seats and that we're all rowing in the same direction. Lucky lucky for us, we just have such incredible um, people within our organization. We are a Kahuna family. We treat each team member as our own. We we love one another. We, As a matter of fact, we just had our whole team come out to the Kahuna office in Arizona. We flew everybody out and we broke bread and karaoke I had a bus tour. We Took them to a nice dinner, and we just uh, bonded, and you know, and it's fun to have like our county department apartment mingling with their maintenance guys, have our property managers mingling with you know with the maintenance folks, and and vice versa. So that's a big that's a big part of our culture. Okay,
0: sounds like a fun event. What what would you say you would mentioned earlier? You know, good, bad, and ugly. What would you say are the biggest mistakes that you made?
1: Biggest mistakes? That might be more for a Corey for a Corey question. But internally, I think just uh, hiring the wrong people. We had a gal that was uh, that came through our process, and you know, um, I would say that you want to if if you have not the right people in your organization, my advice is get rid of them quickly because they'll be like a cancer in it, and it grows. It's the people component that's going to make or break you in this business and that's really with anything in life right and so we had a gal that uh, we thought we vetted pretty good but then when we brought her into the office we saw a lot of red flags she lasted for two days and so we said nope not a culture fit they're not a culture fit you got to get rid of them and so, I would say that's probably the, the 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 biggest piece operationally. I would say, you know, if you don't have a good management company or you can't afford to go vertically integrated, just make sure you're doing your due diligence and and having either an asset manager or just holding your management company um, to the to the fire and making sure that they are following your business plan. And so, and a lot of times that doesn't happen, and it takes a lot of strong will and and a team member or yourself if you're the sole operator. Right, it, it can be it can give you a headache. So I would say operations is the key. I see a lot of people in this industry that get so excited. I got a deal! I got a deal! And then and then the deal goes awry because they don't know how to execute on their business plan operationally. They don't. They're not. They're not winning, right? And so I always say celebrate your wins when you exit out of a deal. Once you completed your business plan and you made lots of money and your investors make lots of money, that's when you celebrate, right? But I say that when you buy a deal, that's great, but the real work comes when you're operating the deal. So that's where the real work begins, Roger. That's where the work begins. And it and it's not easy. It's not easy, my friend, but it's doable. It's not, it's not, it's it's simple, but it's hard, it's hard work. Okay.
0: So simple but not easy.
1: Simple. That's what I thank you. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's what I wanted to say. Simple but not easy. <laughs> Luckily for us, we love this stuff. Like I, I we we I mean, we we live for that kind of stuff, right? We that's what gets us going in the morning. You're like, all right, what what do we got today? You know, working with the team and just we love winning. We love just making like taking a property and just executing and making it where it needs to be. And and at the same time, we love seeing that our our team members win. We love seeing our people win, and more importantly, our our investors. We love seeing them win and growing their money. That's that's where I get get excited because when you can grow. A person's money. It's life changing. And I I love that you have women on your show because a lot of times, guess who's controlling the the money, Roger? Back at home. It's the ladies. The ladies are controlling the money. So I love empowering women. I love seeing more women in the real estate market. Years ago, when I would go to a multifamily event, I was the only girl there. Roger, the only girl. I'm like, where are the women? Where are the ladies? Now I walk into a multifamily event. Now we see a lot of ladies, and it's just so refreshing to see that there are more women operators, that are more women that are raising capital and changing other people's lives. Because if you can change a lady's or any or any person's financial circumstances, you can change the world. Because you can do more. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I believe in.
0: You know, in my family, if the woman controlled the money, our family would be homeless. (laughs) <laughs> just saying. I get your that, point.
1: That is true. That is true. That is true. No, I
0: get your point. But I'm just saying in, in my particular case, um, yeah. yeah. It's very- well,
1: I don't control the money in my household. <laughs> Corey controls it all. So that's probably a good thing because I do have a, a fondness for Louis Vuittons. It's his fault. He bought me a Louis Vuitton one year for Christmas and now I just can't stop. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Trust me. My,
0: my wife <laughs> and does. And I
1: buy him in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah,
0: no. She does everything else very, very well. But no, 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 no. Um, we are, <laughs> <laughs> Our rules are very clear. But anyway- uh, listen, Shelly, this has been as fantastic as I thought it would be. How does one get a hold of you and Kahuna?
1: Well, they can uh, simply just jump on our website, kahunainvestments.com. Can I offer them a gift? You
0: offer whatever we have a the new, heck you want. We
1: have a new book that just came out. It's called Trust But Verify, The Passive Investor's Guide to Evaluating Real Estate Syndicators. So if you text the word book to 480-500-1127, book to 480-500-1127, I'll be happy to send your audience a gift of our new book.
0: Fantastic. Shelly, have a great, uh, you said 2024. We're we're not too far away. Have a great rest of the year and and an amazing 2024. And uh, I very much appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so
1: much. Thank you for having me on your show.
0: We'll talk soon.
1: Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.